Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Gisela Guillar, and I go through the Bible chapter by chapter, guiding you, even if you've never read the Bible before. Right now, I'm going through the Old Testament. They are the historical accounts of Jesus' ancestors that point to Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. And I'm also planning special articles to help bring the Bible to life. I pray that as you hear God's word, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in the hope, joy, and peace that only the living God, Jesus Christ, can give. Be blessed. Second Chronicles chapters 1 and 2. The ways of wisdom or wealth. Which would you pick? Where 1st and 2nd Kings and 1st and 2nd Samuel were historical accounts, Chronicles, written by Ezra after the Babylonian exile, is a commentary on the history of Israel from Kings to the exile. He wrote it to encourage the Jews returning from 70 years of exile, including everything good from God's point of view. Next up in King David's royal lineage is his son Solomon, known for what? His wisdom. Why? We find out in this chapter. Let's dig in. Second Chronicles 1, Solomon asks for wisdom. Solomon, son of David, took firm control of his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him very powerful. Solomon called together all the leaders of Israel, the generals and the captains of the army, the judges and all the political and clan leaders. Then he led the entire assembly to the place of worship in Gibeon. God's tabernacle was located there. This was the tabernacle that Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the wilderness in the book of Exodus. And if you want to click on over to my blog, the link is in the show notes. You can click on a map to see where Gibeon is in relation to Jerusalem. Chapter four, David had already moved the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant from Kiriath-Jerim to the tent he had prepared for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar made by Bezalel, the son of Uri, and the grandson of Hur, was there at Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon and the people gathered in front of it to consult the Lord. There in front of the tabernacle, Solomon went up to the bronze altar in the Lord's presence and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings on it. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Solomon replied to God, you showed great and faithful love to David, my father, and now you have made me king in his place. O Lord God, please continue to keep your promise to David, my father, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me the wisdom and knowledge to lead me properly for who could possibly govern this great people of yours. God said to Solomon, because of your great desire is to help your people and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies for a long time for, or, or, or a long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to properly govern my people. I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future. Wow, 
Then Solomon returned to Jerusalem from the tabernacle at the place of worship in Gibeon, and he reigned over Israel. Solomon built up a huge force of chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. He stationed, them, he stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as plentiful as Jerusalem as stone, and valuable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore fig trees that grow in the foothills of Judah. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Sicilia. The king's traders acquired them from Sicilia at the standard price. At the time, the chariots from Egypt could be purchased for 600 pieces of silver or horses for 150 pieces of silver. They were then imported, I'm sorry, exported to the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Aram. Second Chronicles 2. Solomon decided to build a temple to honor the, uh, to honor the name of the Lord and also a royal palace for himself. He enlisted a force of 70,000 laborers, 80,000 men to quarry the stone in the hill country, and 3,600 foremen. Solomon also sent this message to King Hiram of Tyre. Send me cedar logs and... Sorry, lost my... (laughs) Sorry, send me cedar logs as you did for my father David when he was building his palace. I am about to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord, my God. It will be a place set apart to burn fragrant incense before him, to display the special sacrificial bread, and to sacrifice burnt offerings each morning and evening on the Sabbaths at a new moon celebrations and at other appointed festivals of the Lord our God. He has commanded Israel to do these things forever. This must be magnif- a magnificent temple because our God is greater than all other little G-gods. But who can really build him a worthy home? Not even the highest heavens can contain him. So who am I to consider building a temple for him except as a place to burn sacrifices to him? So send me a master craftsman who can work with gold, silver, bronze, and iron, as well as with purple, scarlet, and blue cloth. He must be a skilled engraver who can work with the craftsmen of Judah and Jerusalem, who was selected by my father David. Also send me cedar, cypress, and red sandalwood logs from Lebanon, for I know that your men are without equal at cutting timber in Lebanon. I will send my men to help them. And and immense amount of timber will be needed for the temple I'm going to build will be very large and magnificent. In payment for your woodcutters, I will send 100,000 bushels of crushed wheat, 100,000 bushels of barley, and 110,000 grains of wine, 110,000 gallons of olive oil. King Hiram sent this letter in reply to Solomon. It is because the Lord loves his people that he has made you their king. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who made the heavens and the earth. He has given King David a wise son, gifted him with skill and understanding, who will build a temple for the Lord and a royal palace for himself. I am sending you a master craftsman named Huram Abi, who is extremely talented. His mother is from the tribe of Dan in Israel, and his father is from Tyre. He is skillfully is skillful at making things from gold, silver, bronze, and iron, and he also works with stone and wood. He can work with purple and blue scarlet cloth and fine linen. He is also an engraver and can follow any design given to him. He will work with your craftsmen and those appointed by my Lord David, your father. 
Send along the wheat, barley, olive oil, and wine that my Lord has mentioned. We will cut whatever timber you need from the Lebanon mountains and we'll float the logs in rafts down the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa. From there, you can transport the logs up to Jerusalem. Solomon took a census of all the foreigners in the land, like the census his father had taken, and he counted 153,600. He assigned 70,000 of them as common laborers, 80,000 as quarry work workers in the hill country, and 3,600 as foremen. And that is the end of Second Chronicles chapter 2. So what do you want? Wisdom. The time of Solomon's kingdom was the golden age of Israel. When God asked Solomon what he wanted, he answered, wisdom. Pastor Sandy Adams explains, quote, Solomon cho choose, chose, chooses wisely. He asked for wisdom. Hey, here's the solution to all our problems. Wisdom. Whether you are king of a nation or king of your castle, you need wisdom to apply God's word, to walk in his ways and will. Rather than more stuff, we need wisdom to enjoy what we have, make right choices, and succeed in relationships. God not only gives, Sol uh, gives Sol Solomon wisdom, he gives him everything else he could have asked for but didn't. Riches, honor, victory over his enemies, long life. Here's a truth we need to understand. Until our priorities in life are set, the blessings of life can get in the way. When a heart is fixated on material stuff, the stuff becomes a distraction to seeking the Lord and growing in him. The blessings become more important than the blessor and crowd uh, and crowd out God. The Lord wants to bless us, but only after we've devoted ourselves fully to him. Like Jesus told us in Matthew 6, where he mentioned his ancestor, starting in verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? 
These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And that's Matthew 6, um, verses 19 through 33. Notice he said need, not want. I want a 2022 Ford Mustang convertible. Do I need it? No. I can live with my little eight-year-old Fiat convertible. It's more gas efficient too. <laughs> I once heard someone say that the difference between wisdom and knowledge is this. Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit and wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. That's one of the problems I have with artificial intelligence or AI. It may know a lot, but it lacks wisdom and common sense. And that can be said too of our leaders, a lot of our leaders. So what about you? What do you want? Wisdom? Well, it starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior. And in Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. So Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Isn't it about time you let him in? So what are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do. There's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to know Jesus is in the upper right hand corner of the website. And in the bottom of today's blog, I put in two beautiful worship songs, Give Me Jesus and King of My Heart. It's Jesus. All we need is Jesus. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. If you're a born-again believer helping a Catholic friend or family member start reading the Bible, it's a great idea to give them one. But which version or translation would be a good one for them? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. And I know many evangelical Christians are very much attached to the King James Version. That's fine if that's what you grew up with. Remember, Catholics have grown up with priests and nuns telling them they don't need to read the Bible. All they have to do is trust the church to teach them what they need to know, only they don't, and that's the problem. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and thous and stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the new international version, or the NIV, and that was the best for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New King James Version, or NKJV, and the New Living Translation, the NLT. I'm now an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors, and I've chosen three study Bibles that will be a great gift for that Catholic or progressive friend whom you'd like to help get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. They are also a great, they're also great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. And by the way, all commissions will be donated to one or more of the Bible translating ministries listed on my site. So give the gift of the word of God and help spread the word while you're at it. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth 
that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.